Brian Kelsey is with us on part three of our four-part series. Brian is an on-camera host, cinematographer, producer, and voice actor in the New York City metro area. Like all of us in radio, there was something that sparked our interests during our youth. On this episode, Brian reveals his love for one WKRP and Cincinnati character that did it for him. Brian also takes us to when he first started in radio back in 1992 and how he joined two legendary New York City radio stations at points of format changes just three years apart from each other. Let's go. Welcome to Air Check Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. This is part three of four with Brian Kelsey. On our previous episode, Brian explained how COVID-19 impacted his TV show, 10 Minutes With, as Today Show host Craig Melvin was forced to social distance and be interviewed outside in the cold. I put a beach chair in the driveway, PA speaker out there so he could hear on the ground, microphone. Pete was standing by with a big thing of bourbon. I brought the fire pit around. He literally just pulled up, got out, sat down. Everything was rolling and the fire pit was there and he had a, he had a great time. He was really he afterwards he was really thankful and, and really nice we also relived the late gilbert Gottfried appearance with every guest i try to do something like something other than the interview like a not really a game but like just something other than just the interview and gilbert i just asked him to do a whole series of impressions just like a like rapid fire brian also shed light on his other tv show kelsey on the house and the time he spent with martha stewart on her tv and radio shows I got asked to be on the Martha Stewart radio show, which is on Sirius, and so I was on that, and then um, Martha asked me to be on the TV show. Our next guest, um, he's a licensed contractor and also the co-host of our Morning Living on the very popular Sirius uh, radio channel, Martha Stewart Living Radio. Uh, Please welcome Brian Kelsey. Brian Kelsey, everybody. Let's go back to the radio days, Brian. We met back in 1994 in New York City at the Pure Rock days of Q104.3 WAXQ, the early days of that radio station, which since has become a very successful classic rock station in New York. Uh, But your first taste of radio came years earlier in Connecticut at 95.9 The Fox. Talk about how you landed that first radio gig. I would imagine living in the proximity of the New York City radio market, you had tons of influences. Touch on that as well. Uh, it all goes back to television. I hate to say it. Um, WKRP in Cincinnati. Was there you go. One, and still one of my favorite shows, Dr. Johnny Fever. Rest in peace. That was The Pretenders. That's an imported item. There'll be a stateside album out, due, due out soon. And the tune was called The Wait. But the wait is over for you, babies, because the doctor is taking calls on the big KRP giveaway contest. The two final pair of tickets are yours for that big concert tonight. If you can complete this sentence to- correctly, are you ready? Caller number one, disco is Fun. wrong. <laughs> Caller number two, disco is uh, heaven. You people are way off. <laughs> Caller number three, you're on. Disco is hell. You got it, my man. And after watching that, I just always wanted to be a DJ. I always wanted to be on the radio. I just loved it. Um, so I, you know, started entering like many people do in radio, which is the best way, by the way, to get into radio. Intern, be awesome, get coffee, do whatever you have to do, and you will get a job and just have a good attitude and it'll take you as far as you want to go. Just side note there. Um, And so I started interning there and I was, you know, I had to wear the fox costume and 95 degree heat (laughs) waving on the road, like all, all that stuff. 
Um, but by and uh, me, I was in college. I was going to the University of Maine, and so this was during the summer. And um, uh, by the end of the uh, the um, the summer, they it was really funny actually. I, I I'd never even been in the air studio, never even been on the air, never been never been in in the studio at all. Um, but they knew that I was taking a radio course in at the University of Maine. Which, by the way, I failed because your uh, exam is to do an air check, and I was so bad that I failed it. But anyway, so they're like, "Hey, you know, Brian, this guy, uh, the overnight guy, he's 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 an, it's an emergency. He can't uh, he can't come in. You said you've been on the air. You've you know your radio. Can you come in and do twelve to six, midnight to six a.m.?" And I listened. Luckily, I'd listened to the station, so I knew what they did. But <laughs> so I said, "Of course, no problem." Westport. Stanford. The next generation of classic rock is here. This is 95.9 The Fox. Fairfield County rocks. So I came in at midnight. The 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 over the uh, guy was coming out. Just showed me how to do everything, and um, and I kind of got the hang of it by the morning. The morning uh, the morning show guy was the program director, and he liked what he heard, and he hired me. Um, so I never ended up going back to college, um, cause I had a job at the end of the summer and I was like, you know, I'm a mom, dad, I'm going to take some time off, see how this works out. And then I just, I never went back. Who was the morning guy, the program director that hired you? Uh, uh, Mike Fitzgerald. And he did, um, he also moonlighted at um, uh, CBS FM. CBS FM 101.1. That was the start for the grassroots. Let's live for today. This is Mike Fitzgerald. Good morning. We have 24 to 7 o'clock. Very hot day ahead. We're at like 79 degrees now, but take care of yourself today because it'll be up in the hundreds. It is the CBS FM 40th anniversary celebration. You're probably listening saying, well, I know that guy from somewhere. Yes, I was here for a long time. <laughs> what year are we talking here? Early 90s? Yeah. Oh, God. 92, 93, something like that. You were still attending college in Maine at the time. Did you ever go back? No, I didn't. I was like, what? what? I, I've got a career going. I never went back. I was there for, for, um, for three years. And then I heard that Q104 was changing formats from classical. And so I sent, uh, I, I made my, <clears throat> excuse me, my demo tape, uh, my demo cassette, and my air name was Brian Savage, which I didn't choose, by the way. <laughs> and so I had a balloon made up that said Brian Savage on the air, in the air, pop and listen. I put the tape in there, blew up the balloon and put it in a box and sent it to New York City. And and I got the job. And he, he afterwards, he, the program director there said that was that was the, one of the reasons. Not not because you had any talent. Yeah. <laughs> They could see creativity. What kind of a balloon was this? Was this like a party balloon or was it yeah. one of those? Just like one of those, you know, you, you buy, you blow it up. It's not like a, not helium, but just like a regular old balloon. Because I, I found a place you could get them printed up. How did you get the cassette in that opening of the balloon? Oh, it was tricky. I had a, a two people, per, two person operation. I had to stretch it in there and get it. Took a couple tries, but I got it. I did something similar. Bob Elliott was the program director yes. back then in those early days. And I did something similar to get, you know, you're, you're always, your mentors always tell you, you know, you want to try to make an impression, right? So uh, you did the balloon. I actually got a, uh, uh, a chocolate apple 
and and I, I wrote some stupid pun kind of sentence and sent it to him and said, you know, I want you know I want to take a bite out of the Apple New York Radio or something to that effect. It worked. The balloon worked. Oh, the Apple worked. Great. And, and there you go. Yeah. I didn't know about the Apple. That's great. Yeah. See, I mean, just those little things. Because think about they get just hounded with stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we've uh, we've talked about the Q104.3 phenomenon a few times here on previous episodes of Air Check with Eddie Trunk and Greg O'Brien, two co-workers of ours. Um, I got there in the spring of 94, but you were there before me. And with the help of your balloon, talk about your time there and, and how it all started. They were just, they had just started. So they didn't, you know, it was a, it was a classic radio, classic radio meaning like <clears throat> they didn't want to tell anybody about that they were changing formats. So they couldn't really hire anybody. So they changed formats and they just had people there doing um, production. I think, I think Vinny Marino was there doing the actual production and Bob Elliott, who was the, the program director, he was doing the voice. Q104.3, New York's pure rock. And so they needed a production director. They needed someone to do uh, all the promos, all the bumpers, and uh, the commercial production, all that stuff. So that's what I got hired to do. And soon after, I started voicing uh, the station. At Q104.3, you don't have to sit through something like this. To get to this. And at Q104.3, you won't have to suffer through something like this. Hear something like this. Yes. Q104.3. Meanwhile, the station, the place was like the the board in the in the production studio was no joke. I must have been from the I mean it must have been from the 70s. Like there was no faders. There was all pots, all like, you know, like those old big turny things. And that's what I worked with for the, the entire time that I was there. Um, and so for the so for the non-radio people, the board you're talking about looked like the board that Johnny Fever used in WKRP with these circular dials. Yep. And exactly, exactly. And that's, if I remember correctly, we were in a, a building stage. Uh, literally, they were rebuilding the studios. And they had they had raised the floors so they can get all the cables underneath and and there was a makeshift uh, studio on one side of the uh, of the suite that we were in. It was like this huge room. I guess when it was the classical station, they might have had classical bands in there or or symphony orchestras in there. Uh, and then they ended up building this other little studio down the hall, and and it was all it was all connected. And now I don't even think they're in the same building anymore. But yeah. But I remember that whole building process. It was kind of strange and uncomfortable, it, but it worked. It, it never ended. They were always building. I don't think. They were finished, and then then they fired us all when they changed formats again. So, Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. You're listening to season four. Catch up with seasons one, two, and three. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check podcast. Explain a little bit for us. You know what what your job at Q104.3 was, uh, I'm, I'm guessing it, the title was production director. Talk a little bit about the definition of that and, and what you're tasked to do and, and the result of that and what it's used for for the radio station. Yeah, it's um, so when you listen to the radio and you hear anything besides music and basically um, in commercials and, and, and DJs talking, you hear sort of that 
station sound that, you know, Q104.3, blah, pure rock, blah. Moving through 45 minutes of nonstop pure rock. Q104.3. That, that is, um, that is called creative production. Those are called like sweepers or bumpers or there's different names for them. But the stuff you hear sometimes going into commercials, coming out of commercials, in between songs, the really creative, you know, crazy music stuff. That that is mostly what I did. And then um and then there's also like commercial production. So like, you know, um if a, a you know a commercial needed to be recorded, um, I would either record that or assign it to one of the DJs to um to record it and um and that sort of thing so and i was doing that so i would record sometimes in this industry you you use other people's voices you have people record their voice and then you take it in and you mix it all together in my case i was using my voice um so it was it was pretty efficient that i could just sort of record and mix it all together and get it out so for those who are listening to this podcast, Brian, that are not familiar with the steps that are taken to complete some of these tasks, walk us through the process, how you are asked to create these things. You know, the program director, who the one who really sort of runs the station and runs the, the, the music you play, um, in that time, they would come to you and say, uh, hey, Brian, we're, we're giving away uh, tickets to Guns N' Roses, you know, at the garden. Uh, uh, make make something cool, and so I would go back and think of some angle, like some crazy thing, like you know, of how to how to make that sound interesting because it's you know you're only listening. Q one of four point three, along with Red Wolf Beer, want to send you across the pond, the big pond, to England for the world's largest alternative rock event, the Reading Festival. Where, you know, you'll enjoy um, such stimulating musical entertainment as uh, Soundgarden, Green Day, White Zombie, Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, and Neil Young with Pearl Jam. Q104.3's Mark Raz will be broadcasting from the event. Okay, don't laugh. And, uh, you know, he wants to uh, take along a couple friends to enjoy some bangers and mash with. You'll win a week-long vacation for two compliments of Red Wolf beer and Q104.3. Keep it locked where it's pure rock to win. And you could be on your way to England, courtesy of Red Wolf beer. Follow your instincts. And... Wait, what are bangers and mash? Can I say that? Q104.3. And so I would write it out and then I record it and, you know, put it all together and hopefully... Uh, run down the hall, play it to them, and hopefully they would like it. And um, and then it goes right on the air. They they put it right on. How many times did that happen? Uh, all the time. Uh, <laughs> all, well, all the, well, K Q one hundred four was was um was pretty pretty straightforward. It wasn't too much. But then when I got to K Rock afterwards, that's where it got really really hairy. The K Rock piece in your story is pretty neat. I, I mean, you found yourself like we all did in June of 96 out of a job. Q104.3 was changing format from pure rock to classic rock. They were bringing a whole new staff in. Uh, K Rock had already changed from classic rock to alternative about 6 months prior in January. Talk about that part of your radio journey that seamlessly landed you at K Rock. You know, when they change formats, basically, they, they really try to tend to clean house and get everybody out just because it's just, you know, there's no hard feelings. It's just the way it is. Um, but usually in radio, uh, they they let you go. And they and, and it's not like other jobs where a lot of times you'll, um, you know, you'll have a week, a month, whatever. It's usually like, you know, end of the day, you know, get your things and go. So um, 
you know, we, we my turn to go in there. Um, thanks, Brian. Uh, you know, goodbye. But I was still on the air. I saw I still had an air shift that night, which was kind of crazy because like if I was a crazy person, I could have gone on the air and been like, you know what? I was just fired and this station sucks <laughs> and everybody blah, blah, blah. Of course, I didn't. Um, but anyway, so uh, there it just how happens that K-Rock, like you said, changed to, to alternative and they were looking for a really super cutting edge there it was a creative it was called creative production director so um there they were looking for somebody not to do the commercials nothing like that but strictly to image the radio station give it the sound uh with the with the with all the sound effects and the voice and all all that that sort of give it a personality other than the disc jockeys um so i applied and uh got the job um and um and went over there and that's where um so howard stern was you know that's he he was that's where he was would brought was broadcasting from and the way it's set up it's just it's a one hall howard was on one end and my studio was on the other and um so i started doing it was very high pressure it was very because the program director there is one of the biggies um in you know in 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 the, the industry and he was coming from uh, z100 and so he had a lot in a lot on the line to do uh, the station. So he was very tough on me, uh, but in a good way. Like, you know, I would come up with an idea for, uh, you know, hey, Brian, we're giving away cars this weekend. Come up with something good. And <laughs> I'd make something and to go back and like, nope, come back with something else. This is Steve Kingston. And uh, so at the time, I was like, oh, what? But man, he knew his stuff. And so I would go back and do something else, and, and it was much better. It's K-Rock and Killian show your shirt parties. It was really fun. It was great. It was just high energy. It was just New York City. It was just, you know, the peak, the 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 alternative rock. This was like 1997, 98, 99, that sort of time. Um, and then um, and uh, soon after I got hired there, Howard, who I've, you know, you know, listened to my whole life, uh, he came down the hall, came into my studio, like un, whatever, provoked, and just walked in. He's like, he's like, hey Brian, I'm I'm Howard. I'm like, okay, I know, I know who you are. Yes, <laughs> and, he, and he said, he's like, I'm I'm a big fan of your work. Would you mind? Would you like to do what you do for K Rock for me? And I was like, hell yeah, of course. Kids love it. your experience. Sandy. So I talked to Steve Kingston and worked, they all worked it out. And so I started doing it for the same thing for them doing like I, anything I could think of, like any, like there was, it was just wide open. Any, anything I could possibly think of, I would just make and send it to Gary, Gary Delabate, Baba Booey. Baba Booey, Baba Booey. He was, you know, he was the, the gatekeeper and, um, and you know they just said they loved it these song parodies and this is before this is like before really good technology this is you know the late 90s so there wasn't you know there was a lot of just sort of you know kind of doing stuff on the fly getting it wasn't as easy to get the things you needed like if i wanted something from tv i had to record it on my vcr or you know what i mean like it was all those those, those days um so i just just kept making stuff and um and they, they loved it
So so what was it like working down the hall from Howard before he actually approached you? Was it, hey, don't talk to him, don't look at him, don't interact with him? Or were you able to kind of have that hallway conversation or at least a wave or hello? Did he did he know you you existed other than your work before he came in and said, hey, I'm Howard? Um, well, yeah, I mean, he, he was that way to everybody. Like he was, is the nicest person. Like it's, and, and not just in the pleasantry in the hallway, which he's, very uncomfortable with anyway, which I totally get. But he makes an effort. If he's walking out, he's all like, "Hey, hey, Brian, or hey, uh, hey, Sue, uh, those are new pants. Those are new pants," <laughs> and just really, really nice. Um, but more importantly, he um, when you intern there, um, it was a complete fair game. So there was a, a meeting every Wednesday, the Wednesday meeting, where the entire staff um, went in the studio and sat around and just spitballed ideas of what's coming up. And interns were completely invited uh they could make suggestions so many of the suggestions that interns made because I, I was in those meetings too uh, made it on the air and then a lot of those interns you know continued on to work there um so it was very he was very very open to you know if you if you've got a great idea who cares bring it up so you're there you're part of it you're in the thick of it tell us about some of those studio moments. I mean, you're hearing them on the radio, but what's really happening in the studio when Jenna Jameson is riding that chair? I mean, uh, <laughs> let, let's... It's all, it's exactly like you'd imagine because um, I'd be in the studio with headphones on and a microphone trying to record something and I would just hear, even though this everything's soundproof, just screaming or like thumping down the hall or whatever and I'd go look and every time, it like it was just something like you just could never... You, you 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 never know what's going to come down the hall and um there was one time where um i was in my studio just doing something and five and i want to say they were in bikinis but they were much less than bikinis five uh these models women beautiful um say they came in they're like hey there's no uh the green room's full can we can we wait in here I was like, well, uh, no problem. Um, uh, no problem. Just step, step, step right into my office. And uh, and so they like hung out and then there was like, um, so I just like worked. I didn't know to, I didn't know if I was supposed to entertain or work. Um, and then we did, we did a lot of IDs too. So um, Andre Gardner, um, his studio was right across from mine. So he did all the, 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 the IDs of the people who came in or Scott, actually Scott Salem did, Scott the engineer. Um, but a lot of times they would come and do them with me too, um, which is just so fun and so crazy to see these unbelievably famous people. James Taylor coming in and sitting down and just like, you know, hey, uh, hi. Like just, it's so crazy. So, so crazy. Um, but it was just such a such a, a great time. How much of this has helped you make connections to guests on your current show, uh, 10 Minutes With? Um the way Gary, Gary, uh, you know, back in the day, Gary Delabate, he, you know, he was when when it was Kate, when it was classic rock, you know, it was pretty much just him booking guests, and I just knew from him hustling and just making things like reaching out, doing whatever, because again, he was he was really unknown, and Howard wasn't that big. This was just you know New York market, and so Gary really like I just remember you know hearing stories of him just just reaching out everywhere, trying to make things happen, and. Uh, and, and asking for help, you know what I mean? Like you can't do everything. You, you, having good people around you is so important. And he he surrounded himself and still surrounded himself with with good, really good people um, to make his job easier and to make the whole production, you know, better. 
I'm going to put my uh, my James Lipton hat on here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about neck nuts. Ah, <laughs> well, uh, that's that's a that's a term that uh, endearingly uh, Steve Kingston gave to me, um, just making fun of my voice, um, and uh, and uh, it just kind of stuck. And then I, back then, um, you remember the. Um, on Macintosh computers, on Macs, there was uh, Mac Speak. It was called, and you had there's all these different. I think they still have it. You know, where there's different voices. It's you know, it's just computer generated. It would be like an AI it's, voice, the early AI. Yeah, voices. yeah, yeah. I wish I had the net. I'm sure he does. He still has the cart. It was on a cart, which is the things we play on the radio. We did back then. Um, but so I just decided to to lay into it, and I made. I just grabbed one of those um, those sounds, and it was like it came out neck knots. It was like one of those computer voices. I put it on a cart, neck nuts. gave it to him, and whenever I walked into his office, wouldn't even say anything. We'd just turn around, hit the button. It was so loud. It'd go, neck nuts. Neck nuts. And we'd go, nuts. Nuts, what you got for me? Come on, nuts. Don't don't let me down. Neck nuts. And uh, it was just a, an endearment. And he's still to this day, like, I, he comments on posts, and he's just, just, just you know, oh, <laughs> neck nuts. Man, that must have been a lot of fun working at K-Rock and with Howard. In our next episode, Brian credits his radio mentors. He also lets us in on some other projects he's working on. And who else he's looking to get to guest on his TV show, 10 Minutes With? Maybe Stern. You can follow us, stream, and download every episode of Air Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Air Check Made. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of AirCheck, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the AirCheck guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. AirCheck is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. AirCheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.